You are praying. You are bringing these requests before the Lord. You are calling God, Abba, Father, as we looked at a few verses uh, ago. And yet also the Spirit who is within us, Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is crying, Abba, Father, on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf and interceding. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. First this morning, the Spirit helps in our weakness by interceding. I think the first thing we need to notice here and pay attention to is that the Spirit's activity is personal. Uh, many of you know I'm a science fiction fan, and so I'm sure some of you have seen uh, a little series of movies called Star Wars. Uh, and in Star Wars, they have, you know, the Force. And if you watched um, uh, the Rogue One movie, there was that uh, guy who was sensitive with the Force. He was kind of like a monk, and he's running around going, I am one with the Force, and the Force is one with me. I'm one with the Force. The Force is one with me. That is not how we treat The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force that binds things together that we somehow tap into, that if we just had enough spiritual strength, uh, we could move and lift objects. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is what we call the third person of the Trinity, meaning we just list them in order, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's not a ranking system. They are equal in power and glory and majesty. They are all truly God and yet not three gods. The activity here for intercession is personal intercession. Uh, In Star Wars, the force doesn't do anything. You have to, if you're a Jedi, tap into it and you get to manipulate it and use it based on whether you're good or evil. And honestly, you laugh and you say, well, that's just a movie. But that is how many people today think about the world. That is how new age thinking acts when it comes to what spirituality looks like. But the Christian and the Christian spiritual life is grounded in the Holy Spirit, a person. He intercedes on our behalf. We often think of intercession as a ministry of Christ. And it is a ministry of Christ. Romans 8.34 Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. He's the intercessor. Romans, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 7.25 Consequently, He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since Jesus always lives to make intercession for them. Part of Christ's ministry of, of intercession is what we call his priestly ministry. And just like priests in the Old Testament, they would go into the presence of God and they would take the blood of, of goats and calves. So Jesus Christ goes into the presence of God. And when we think about his priestly ministry, He goes into the presence of God as one who is also truly human. Christ's priestly representation, he represents us as not only the Son of God eternally, but as one of us in his humanity. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is how Jesus Christ serves as our mediator. But there is another great intercessor. Not only does he take our prayers to heaven, but he is praying for us. And with us. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a difference here between the ministry of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in that this. Jesus Christ shares now in our human nature. He doesn't have sin, but he lived an earthly life without sin. He faced temptations, and that's why Hebrews talks about it having weakness Weakness in the sense that he got hungry, he got tired. Uh, Satan came to him and tempted him and said, you should do this. And, and, and Jesus, in his humanity, quoted the word of God back to him and said, I have to trust my heavenly father uh, on the cross and in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see it as well. And then he's raised up and he goes into heaven as our mediator, continuing to share in human nature. The Holy Spirit does not take on human nature. So there's a difference. There's a distinction. But just as much as you wouldn't want the the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to try to go before God without the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want to try to pray without this ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of us that all Christians have. So the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Now, just follow along here a little bit in the context, if you have your Bibles, uh, either scroll back or look back up at verse 23. We have this groaning, not only the creation, which was gr- described as groaning, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons. And then verse 24 and 25, for this is the hope for in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. Uh, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. What is the weakness that we have? We don't yet have the redemption of our bodies. We don't have a resurrection body yet. We get tired. It is difficult sometimes to wait and have hope in the Lord. The whole point about patience is sometimes your patience is stretched. You know this as a parent, even if you consider yourself uh, to be a patient person. Uh, Sometimes their kids just push us to the edge and we feel like we're at the breaking point. Patience is hard. And so the Bible describes the weakness that we have in this context as we are groaning. You still have sin. You have moments in your spiritual life where you don't always trust God as you should, where you are having doubts, where you are not praying out of a sense of confidence in the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit helps us 
with these weaknesses. We are weak and frail and we still have bodies that decay and we still battle with sin. Even more, we don't often know how to pray, but here then the Holy Spirit works for us. Look at verse 26 again. For likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. Part of our weakness is that we don't always know what to pray for. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And you, and you just don't know how to word the prayer request? I mean, we, we have it sometimes at church. Somebody, somebody says, you know, I have an unspoken prayer request. Well, how do you pray for that? You just say, okay, God, they have a prayer request. We're praying for them. But you, you don't know what to say. Sometimes you get a prayer request and it's an emergency request. And, you, you know, someone's on the way to the hospital. And by the time you get the request, you don't know what state they're in. And so you pray, but, but you don't know what to ask. You don't know if, they're, if it's serious. You don't know if it's minor. Uh, you might be praying for them, and, and heaven forbid, but you might be praying and they might already be passed on, and you're praying that God would spare their life. You just don't know. You have limits. We're not omniscient. But it's more than just a, an intellectual sense that we don't know. We don't know what to pray for as we ought think there's a moral component here sometimes as we still struggle with sin we're just not praying in the right frame of mind we're just not thinking through the prayer request in the most uh, godly ways even more specifically we just don't know the will of God we don't know what God wants to do and so we can ask for things and it's perfectly good to ask for things and Jesus tells us ask for these things in my name and he will grant them. And of course, there, there should be the condition as you compare Scripture with Scripture if it's according to God's will. But guess who does know perfectly the will of God? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's God. I mean, his prayers are automatically going to be just infinitely better than my own. Now, again, this doesn't mean I should say, well, you know, I'm not going to pray because he's going to do a better job anyways. But, but it does mean, what is my attitude as I pray? Sometimes we think that in our prayers we can, we can force the hand of God. You know, I'm his child. I'm saying Jesus' name and I, I keep repeating Jesus' name. And if I just say his name, I'll get everything that I want. I once had someone criticize me about praying because I didn't use the exact phrase at the end of the prayer in Jesus name. And, and praying in Jesus name is not about pr pr uh, saying the words as in Jesus name as some kind of magical incantation. It's about a reliance on Jesus and it's about a praying according to his will and and in some sense, just by virtue of the fact that you are a believer and are in union with Christ, you are approaching the throne of God through the, the priestly ministry of Jesus and, and, in a sense, praying in Jesus' name by default. Now, should we acknowledge that? Absolutely. But, you know, if you slip up and you don't add in Jesus' name, God still hears your prayers. The Holy Spirit, even more, is also at work within us. We just don't know the will of God. So you might be praying for someone, but you don't know the condition of their heart. Uh, and so you're not praying in the right way. You know, sometimes we pray for someone for their salvation and, and maybe they really are already saved. Or sometimes we pray that someone uh, would, 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 
God would work in them a certain way. And we just don't know really what God needs to do in our, our hearts. And we're saying, you know, do this in their hearts, dear Lord, if it's your will. And God's saying, but yeah, you know, I really to get to the problem or to deal with them or to work in their life. I'm going to do this. And sometimes we just assume, well, I see what the problem is, and so I'll pray uh, to God for it. Sometimes we might pray for someone's spiritual growth or our own spiritual growth. And, and God knows the timing that he wants to work it. And God knows the way that he wants to work it. Sometimes you might pray really hard for a trial in your life to be removed. And you might get to a point where you feel like the only way there is going to be a breakthrough is if God lifts that trial off of your burden or that burden off of your back, takes that trial away. And you might be praying in utter desperation and saying, God, I don't think I can go anymore. You might not even be saying, I don't think. You might be saying, I can't go any further. And God knows perfectly what you're going through. And God hears your prayers. And the Holy Spirit in that moment might be praying for you in ways that you're not even praying for yourself. Sustain them through that trial. Shape them to be more like Jesus in that trial. God might know that this is not the moment that your trial needs to be taken away. We sometimes show, we sometimes use the phrase, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's false. God often gives us more than we can handle. Why? So that we trust Him. So we get to a point where we say, I can't handle this, God, and you need to handle it. And how many times do we pray, God, you got to do this? And what if God has another purpose? You see, in those moments, the Holy Spirit is praying for us on our behalf. It doesn't mean that our prayer is somehow invalid. We certainly see in the Psalms this pouring of our emotions out to God. Uh, it's right and proper if you do it with the spirit of reverence to say, God, I, I just can't do this anymore. You've got to be my rock. The only thing that I can see is, is for you to take this away. But make sure you're doing that in a spirit of submitting to the will of God. And even if your prayer is imperfect and fallible in those moments, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you as the one who knows the will of God and can pray perfectly. So look at the end of verse 26. But the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. The language here, too deep for words, literally means inexpressible or wordless. Some people have taken this verse uh, and they develop out of it a doctrine of praying in tongues. Uh, and so you say things that are that are gibberish sounding and you don't know what you're saying, but you then just say, well, that is the Holy Spirit praying through me with groans uh, that are inexpressible. I don't know what I'm saying, uh, but clearly this must be the work of the Spirit. I don't think that is what Paul is talking about at all here. And I'm going to give you uh, four reasons uh, why? And so if you're taking notes, you, you might just want to list these down. This, why this isn't this modern concept of praying in tongues. First, when the Bible describes tongues in every other context, they are languages. Speaking in tongues in a public setting 
always requires an interpreter. 1 Corinthians 14.27. Why? Because you're saying something that's another language. There are people in the room that might understand that language. There are people in the room that don't understand that language. And so you have an interpreter. Uh, Paul also says, this is the second reason, that tongues are a sign for unbelievers, not for building up believers. That's 1 Corinthians 14.22. So you think about how tongues worked in the book of Acts. There were a whole bunch of people from all over visiting Jerusalem from the whole region of the Roman Empire. They were in town uh, for the Passover and for the Pentecost season. And suddenly they start hearing the gospel in their own language and they're going, what is this? And Peter says, this is what God promised in Joel chapter 2. It was a sign to unbelievers that the scriptures were being fulfilled and it led people to repentance because they were hearing the gospel in their own language. As people today often practice this idea of praying in tongues, that's not what they're doing. Third, we are told in scripture that not everyone has the gift of tongues. First Corinthians 12 8 to 11. You can go look it up. It talks about there being one spirit, but there are different gifts and and not everybody is given the gifts of tongues. This in this passage is something that the Holy Spirit does for everyone. He groans with words that are inexpressible. And that brings us to the last reason this isn't praying in tongues. The idea here of it being wordless or inexpressible means it's the Holy Spirit doing something that isn't expressed. I think it's fair to say that it's not auditable, audible. It's wordless. Now, it is a metaphor here that he is groaning. He is communicating in some kind of a deep way to God, his heavenly father. But it's inexpressible. It's wordless. I don't want to degrade it and say that it's like like telepathic communication. Uh, but if that helps you conceive it a little bit, don't stretch that analogy too far. But it is the spirit communicating directly to the father in a wordless, groaning way. And so you think about how desperately sometimes you groan in your prayers and you're just like, oh God, please help me with this. The idea here is that as you are praying desperately, the Holy Spirit is praying even more desperately. Not because His prayers aren't strong enough, but because He loves you that much. He is groaning for you in these prayers, these wordless things that he is communicating to to God the Father. Here's the irony of it. We can't pray in a wordless way. We have to use words. Now, we, we don't have to say them out loud, but we, you know, we have to verbalize something in our minds. There is such a connection between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity that they don't even have to use words. Them coming down to our level to speak words is... is is I'm kind of like a, a parent getting down on their knee to talk baby talk to their children. And so the Spirit prays far better and in far greater ways than we ever can. Second this morning, the Spirit intercedes according uh, to the will of God. So, God knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows... The mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Who is the he who searches hearts? God. 
That's a that's a roundabout way of referring to God. He's described that way many places in the scriptures. Psalm 4421 would not God discover this for he knows the secrets of the heart. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Acts 15, 8, and God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by saying, or excuse me, by giving them the Holy Spirit, uh, just as he did to us. So there's a distinction here between the person of God, the Father, and the person of the Holy Spirit. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So God searches the heart of man. How much more does God know what the mind of the Holy Spirit is? In those moments that the Holy Spirit is is interceding for us, there is no breakdown in communication. Have you ever communicated with somebody and you're talking to them and there's a clear like misunderstanding of words and maybe somebody gets angry and they shouldn't have gotten angry or maybe somebody feels hurt and you're like, whoa, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't mean that that way. And there's a there's just a, a human breakdown of language, not just because we're sinners, but because we're finite and we don't always say things perfectly and we can't always find the perfect word. But God knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit is, quote unquote, saying these things and as they are going through his mind. And I I put air quotes on that because it's not like the Holy Spirit has a brain like we think of it. God knows intimately and perfectly. And, And so you know, we have in Scripture, uh, Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In our humanity, we can never get our minds around the thoughts of God. They are always just so far above us. But now imagine this, the Holy Spirit being God, He is thinking thoughts far above and beyond us. But who knows and perfectly understands these infinite thoughts that the Holy Spirit is thinking as he intercedes on our behalf? In this passage, the focus is God the Father. Of course, we could say also God the Son knows these things. But but who can conceive the mind of God? Do you think God can conceive the mind of God? I should hope so. Uh, God wouldn't be very much of a God if he had some corner of his mind where he didn't understand. How much more as we see the distinct persons, this Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. And yet they have one will, one purpose. They each have majesty, glory and honor. And yet it's not three glories or three majesties or three gods. So we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 10 and 11, this, this also kind of works the other way. These are the things God revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So in our passage in Romans, it's that God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. In the passage in 1 Corinthians, it's God the Spirit knows the mind of the Father and searches out the depths of God. For who knows the person's thoughts 
except a spirit of that person. First Corinthians two eleven, which is in him. You know, I can look at you and I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, if you've been married for any amount of time, you look at your spouse and especially if you're the guy, sometimes you're like, I, I don't know what you're thinking. Please just spell it out to me because I'm really dense right now. You only know what's in your own head. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Do you think the Holy Spirit knows how to pray for us? Do you think he knows what the will of God is for our life so that he can conform those prayers perfectly to the will of God? Do you think there's any sort of breakdown of communication between the Holy Spirit and God? Should I pray? Yes. But even more on my day-to-day life, I am utterly dependent upon the work of the Spirit in me as a believer to intercede for me. This is not some second blessing that comes to you later on as you get spiritual maturity. This is not something that only an elite few in the church get. If you reach a certain level in your Christian life, then you'll have this intercessory work of the Holy Spirit. This is something the Holy Spirit does for every believer. Think about that next time you're praying for yourself. Think about that next time you're praying for someone else. And maybe you're having a conflict or some tension with them. And as you pray for them, are you praying according to the will of God? And even more than that, can you imagine the way that you're praying being as something the Holy Spirit would ask for them if they're a believer? Sometimes we think we know what God needs to teach other people. The Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit prays perfectly. God uses the intimate intercession in the Godhead between the Holy Spirit and God the Father to communicate the needs of the believer. God the Spirit uses His infinite powers, thoughts, and majesty to intercede on your behalf so that He prays to God the Father for you. He uses His attributes on your behalf. The Spirit intercedes then according to the will of God. Uh, The last phrase of the verse, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The best that we can pray in our prayers are prayers of weakness. But when the Holy Spirit prays, He prays out of the glory that He has, out of the majesty that He has, out of the perfections of His knowledge of the will of God. His understanding and comprehension of the depths of God and His majesty. He prays for you. If I can put it this way, the Holy Spirit never prays a bad prayer. You ever have a prayer you pray and you go back later and you'd be like, eh, I shouldn't have said it that way, God. Or you say, oh man, I was really selfish when I asked for that. I remember when I was a kid hearing a sermon on this. And the pastor described the Holy Spirit as the editor of our prayers. You know, takes the prayer, whites out that section, writes in what you really need prayed for. I don't know if it works like that. Certainly God knows 
what you say when you're giving uh, a bad prayer request and he knows that it's not your, his will. And then sometimes we're the ones that get frustrated with God when, when, when we're not submitting to God's will and we're saying, God, why didn't you answer this? And, well, did you approach him in humility? Did you say if it's your will? Were you looking for what he knew what was best or did you come in there with your list of demands? But whatever it might be in your prayer life, the Holy Spirit has none of those things in his prayer life disrupting prayers. And that is awesome. I want to make three applications this morning. First, do I have a high enough view of the Holy Spirit? One of the things that I didn't totally anticipate as I was looking ahead and coming through Romans 8 is just, how much every week you can pretty much say something about the Trinity. Like I knew it was in there, but as I got to thinking about it this week and praying over it and meditating on it, and you you just, you think about this concept of God knowing the mind of the Spirit. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, the church fathers talk about uh, the Trinity a whole lot because they're hashing this out against the heresies. And sometimes you read them and you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe they're going a little farther than scriptures saying. And yet I found myself coming back to this passage and going, maybe the church fathers had more right than I realized uh, as they talked about the inter, uh, inter um, uh, the Latin word is circumcessio, the, the interpenetration of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, just that they are one. But you look at this and, and you go, okay, well, maybe I don't understand the Latin word, but you say, wow, the unity that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have, particularly here the Father and the Spirit, and then He uses that in prayer? I mean, I mean God could just say, you know, like, this is, my, this is my personal time. This is my personal fellowship. And I, I'm not trying to make light of God, but, but God doesn't have to do things on our behalf. And yet He does. And this intimate communion that the Spirit has with the Father is used on our behalf so that he might pray for us and communicate our prayers and even more go above and beyond what we're praying and pray with words that are inexpressible, groanings and longings and cries to God that we can't even begin to understand or fathom. As much as you pray in desperation, how much more is the Holy Spirit not only praying, but He's praying in effectiveness. That is not a a, a, um, resignation to say, well, I'm not going to pray. That is a motivation to say, I can pray because the Son is my mediator. I can pray. Because when I mess up in my prayers, the Holy Spirit is a perfect intercessor. And I can give it my best shot in prayer and rely on God and the Spirit in prayer and trust that even when my prayers are not perfect and they even are tainted with sin, the Spirit prays on God's behalf and everything that goes into the presence of God is pure. His right requests. And God hears and delights in those things. Ask yourself this. Do I praise and thank God for the intercession of the Holy Spirit? 
One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is often primarily to give glory to God the Father or glory to the Son. You don't see him taking glory for himself. For that matter, you always see in Scripture different members of the Godhead glorifying the others, never just kind of a, you know, I'm going to hang on to this glory for me. But we need to be careful with that because we should give thanks to the Holy Spirit. He is God. And, and you don't want to make a habit of praying to Him because we pray to the Father through the Son and through the Holy Spirit. But you know how it is in your prayers. You also just sometimes say, Dear Jesus. It is right and appropriate to say, Holy Spirit, thank You that You are the intercessor. I praise Your name. You are truly God. Amen? Don't get obsessed with the Holy Spirit so that you ignore the other members of the Godhead. But don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Second, when I pray, do I consciously know that I'm depending on the Spirit in that moment? We want the Holy Spirit to be praying with us. We want to be praying to the will of God. And just as you pray in union with the Lord Jesus Christ, you pray in union with and through the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it would look like, and certainly it's impossible to have, but imagine for a second praying only with Jesus as your mediator. It wouldn't work. You need the Holy Spirit. He's got to be there. This is the plan and perfect of, uh, perfect plan of God. Finally, while prayer is something that I do, Prayers aren't heard on my strength or on the strength of my power. Praying hard isn't forcing the will of God. And I've been in stages in my life, in the prayer life, you want to try to make bargains with God. God, I'll do this. You figure if I just pray harder, uh, we should pray hard and we should be motivated to pray harder. But sometimes as we're doing it, we start to say, see, God, look how hard I'm praying. Look how much time I've taken. Look, at, look, these are tears. You see, I'm really serious here. And we think that we are heard because of the strength of our power. Or even Jesus warning the Pharisees as they get up, they think they're heard because of their elaborate words. The Spirit groans with wordlessness. Do you think me and my humanity is going to be heard because I had a really big vocabulary? It's not my power. It's the Holy Spirit. Be dependent upon Him in prayer. I hope as you leave here today, you're just excited and thinking about the Holy Spirit in a new way. He is the third person of the Godhead. And He is equal in power and glory and might and majesty with the Father and the Son. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before You today and we want to delight ourselves in You. We want to thank You for Your power and your majesty. We want to thank you for your glory. We thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit and the work uh, of the Holy Spirit in all that he does. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to do one thing at the end of our service today, and that's take on new members. Uh, And I apologize because I forgot completely to put it in the bulletin. Uh, In fact, I just left last